And a name on the front is a hell of a lot more important than the one in the back. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Wham! Cut sap. First try. Why so serious? He's a fast killer. I love the smell of night pump in the morning. I'm freaking pump! I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day! I don't know. I have a bad feeling about this. Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Good Day for a Movie podcast. We are brought to you by GD4GD, so head on over to GD4GD.com and buy some dope gear because $10 of every sale gets donated to their nonprofit partner, which is currently the Matthews House. They're a nonprofit that empowers youth and families by building trusting relationships. Their Strengthening Families program takes a holistic approach in helping at-risk families achieve stability. This helps disrupt the cycles of poverty and abuse. So, like I said, head on over to GD4GD.com and buy some awesome gear. I'm Jacob, and alongside me, as always, Tate. What's up? And our anonymous third co-host. How are we doing? Ugh. <laughs> it's your pick. It's your it pick. Is. And you're eyeing? Tate's driving me insane, but it is my pick. So I guess things can get better. Maybe. I always have the highest anxiety before your pick. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. I just... Like you've picked some good movies, that's a, that's a fact. But I just am always afraid that you're just going to pick an absolute stinker one you, time. <laughs> one time, you're not wrong. I get that. I get that anxiety too. Oh my gosh! Like that is now just you know how I feel so whenever maybe, it's maybe not my pick. You do. You have surprised me though, and maybe I have been impressed, and I shouldn't have a reason to, other than Chronicle, obviously. But whatever. This, I'm just going to get into it. I'm not going to tolerate this any longer. <laughs> We're going into the mind of Stanley Kubrick. Ooh. And we are watching Full Metal Jacket. Wow. Ooh, I've heard of Full Metal Jacket. Wow. It's a Vietnam War movie. Uh, Stanley Kubrick is has gone down as debatably the best director of all time. I've only seen one movie by him, and that's not The Shining. I don't know if I could watch The Shining because I can't watch scary movies really, but I think I could tolerate that one, so I'll probably see it at some point. But anywho, that's the movie we're watching. All right. Very nice. I like it. I'm not sure. Oh, Adam Baldwin. That's the only... That's yeah. a, him that's and the Vincent D'Onofrio. 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 The only cold. Oh, silly, silly, silly people. Day, wait, did you say day of no cold? I just deal no frío. Yeah, it would be day of dia de lo no I was frío. just saying like oh, day of no cold. Anything else? Do you Can have anything go? else on it? No, that's it. Uh, it was eighty eight, I guess. Is that right? Eighty six. Eighty seven. Eighty seven. Wow. <laughs> so it's later in Kubrick's career. His highlight reels are in the sixties and seventies. So um yeah, we'll see. If there's one theme for just movies, it's movies that we got to rent. <laughs> yeah. Is this one not streaming anywhere? Amazon Prime for four bucks right it now. It said who rent subscription, so it's probably on Stars or whatever. All right, folks, we will see you on the other side. I am here.
your senior drill instructor. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. And the first and last words out of your filthy sewers will be, sir. Do you maggots understand that? Sir! Yes, sir! You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. Charlie's hit every major military target in Vietnam and hit them hard. In other words, it's a huge shit sandwich and we're all gonna have to take a bite. This is a slaughter. Any of us. All right, then you. Fine. We're doing the thing. We're talking. We're talking about the movie. Let's do it. That's how I bring us in. Yeah. So what'd you think? <laughs> <clears throat> wow. <I've, laughs> I feel like I can't even, <laughs> can't even right now. Okay. We are back. That was a very <laughs> heavy movie um, mixed with a lot of comedy at the beginning. This was a heavy movie. This was like a, I'm, I'm, I'm torn on kind of what, what, the, like, I mean, it, it was definitely a drama, but it was a, pretty depressing movie but it also had some comedy and some um other aspects to it that it was an interesting movie but i think i liked it i'm i'm not sure i'm gonna i'm gonna give this podcast to talk about it a little bit to really soak it in but yeah i'm not sure yeah i think the comedic part of it was what do you call it when you act like everything's good in the household yeah, but that's, the second you're in the household, it's just chaos. That's that's kind of one of my thoughts. Um, go with your like initial thoughts on your feelings of the movie first, and then I think we'll get into that off the bat. Okay. Um, I liked it. I really thought it was shot well. And have either of you read Catch Twenty Two? I want to say that we had to for school, but that still doesn't mean that I read it. There I is a TV yeah. series. <laughs> I don't that read was on Hulu. But anyways, I don't oh, think yes, I read I've it. seen I've seen the series on Hulu with yeah. George Clooney and Okay. I don't I didn't know George Clooney was in it, but <laughs> I read the book. <laughs> and it was very catch twenty two for me. Um because catch twenty two was a very comedic lens of a, the serious topic of war, which was this. And it was unrelenting when it got to the serious stuff, but it wasn't afraid to quickly get back to the comedic side of the movie. When you were when you just said that it made me think of that meme where the the whatever the dog is in the house that's on fire he says this is <laughs> yeah. fine. Like that's like how everybody kind of acted in this movie. Um they're in these like I mean they would they were they would hit you with everything. That's one thing that I wrote down that I liked about this movie a lot is that it gave you everything at face value. It didn't really hide anything. It really it like showed you all of like the visuals and images and all of the situations and sounds and everything that you would see in war like i mean i'm trying to think back to um examples but i think the the ones that stand out are when they just have the dead vietnamese guy sitting with them in the circle who they just cover the hat over his face 
Um, and they kind of, they, but they hit you with those kind of moments and you don't even expect it. Like, I mean, right when he's about to pull off the hat, you know what's going to happen, but up and, the, but they still show it to you. They don't hide it. They don't like, they don't, just don't leave his face covered. They really show it to you. And like, even that last scene where the girl was, um, girl, right? Yeah. Where she was laying on the ground and just saying, kill me like 10 times in a row. And it just sat and like stared at her face. And it was like, that was in your face showing you how real some of that shit is. And I, I think that, that was some of the, that was what I liked about it is that it didn't hide any of it because they easily could have taken some of those parts out or even the dark moment of about the first segment of the movie about where he killed his sergeant and shot himself. And like, even that kind of stuff, like it was very real. It felt very real. And I liked that about it. Yes. And what I have down is it's, they cut the hard moments with moments of levity. And I think the reason for that is because that's what really happens when you serve. None of us have served. Yeah. Um, But even just going through like kind of like hard points in life, I kind of cope with humor. Yeah. And well, and it's kind of like, I imagine that when you're in a situation like that, it's what else can you do? Yeah. And so like they, they, they kill this girl and then the next scene is them singing the freaking Mickey Mouse theme song. Yeah. So I, that, that's something that I really enjoyed about it because it was, I, I think they, I think Kubrick was able to capture what it was like. Um, not, not just in Vietnam, but, also through training camp that was so going into that i think that was another i uh, i'm listening off more things that i really liked about it um i really liked the it gives you the um, perspective of the marine from a to b like a to z even like they give you everything from his training camp and i really really liked the way that they did that because it almost felt like two short movies um because the whole first hour how long however long it was um, was all of their training camp, and it was completely different to the whole second half of the movie, which was all war. Um, and so I really like that aspect of they took you through how the whole breakdown of everybody and what it's like to go through training camp and become in the Marine, and then what it's like to actually be in war as a Marine. Yeah, I I can't think of many war movies where so much of the movie was the training camp, and that's... I might may say this too many times, but I think that goes back to Catch Twenty. I think that there's a lot of Catch Twenty Two vibes in this movie because a lot of that is book is back at camp and like shooting the shit and talking about like the war and whatnot. And like those, like when they were sitting in the tent and talking about how many times they were in combat and stuff. Like it was very um, different in that sense from my experience of being of watching like apocalypse now and saving prior ryan and um it's tv series but band of brothers it's a it was a very different war movie yeah this uh, there's a lot of war movies i think that are based around um, certain events in war and um like situations that happen but this one was all about from the perspective and all about basically the culture of being someone in war so i thought it was cool it was a really cool perspective and i think the yeah, the more I talk about it, the more I really like it. I think there's, the acting was really well done. Um, the writing was really well done. I think the the um, the way they shot a lot of those scenes, I was very impressed with. Yeah, I'm actually saying more that I like about this. And the dialogue was good. Like, I mean, the comedic and the serious dialogue, both sides, like, had 
<laughs> See, that's that's kind of I think that's maybe the, my thing is that it, I I don't think that many of the dialogue much of the dialogue was serious. I think a lot of the serious moments was the visual, what you saw, and a lot of the comedic was the dialogue. If that makes sense, like I don't remember. I like I feel like I'll, in a lot of the serious moments, nobody really said a word. And like the only one that I can think of that was really serious is when in the scene in the bathroom where he has the rifle um, and he shot his commanding officer. And like, that's the only thing that I think there was some serious dialogue. Well, there's other moments too, but for the most part, it seemed like all of the, when they were silent, that's when it was kind of the serious, depressing, dark moments. And when they're all talking, that was the comedic relief moments. Yeah. I was very impressed with kind of the comedic writing in this because Kubrick isn't known for his comedies and neither of the other two writers, I kind of looked through their filmography real quick and like one of them helped write apocalypse now, but like really, really like no other comedies. And while this movie isn't a comedy, it was very funny. I don't know if that's because we're in 2020 and our comedic senses are different from 1987 or not. Yeah. (laughs) It was definitely very different. Yeah. I mean, like a lot I've, of the I've stuff that they said hilarious. in this movie would be run up the flagpole quick and and like if it was made today but um I think that that's just like that's just part of that also real aspect like they obviously you can't cut that out and have it be realistic. Yeah, and the Arlie Ermy Ermy I, I I don't know how Ermy, to say yeah. this. Ermy, yeah. That guy is just awesome. So actually I'm really glad that you brought that up because I was looking up some things afterwards um just about the production of the film. And it says that he, the guy who was cast for him, was a former U.S. Marine yep. drill instructor. And they said that um, initially the director didn't want to cast him as this drill sergeant because he didn't think that he was mean enough. And so then after that, he, it says, here, wait, I'll read it. So after he told him that um, he was not vicious enough, Ermi improvised insulting dialogue against a group of Royal Marines who were being considered for the part of background Marines to demonstrate his ability to play the character, um, as well know as well as show how a drill sergeant um, or drill instructor should or goes about breaking down the individuality or yeah individuality of the recruits. Upon reviewing the videotapes of these sessions, Kubrick gave him the role, realizing he was a genius for the part. Kubrick also incorporated the 250-page transcript of Ernie's er, rants into the script. I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, your senior drill instructor. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. And the first and last words out of your filthy sewers will be, sir. Do you maggots understand that? Sir, Sir, yes, sir. Bullshit, I can't hear you. Sound off like you got a pair. Sir, yes, sir. If you ladies leave my island, if you survive recruit training, you will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death praying for war. But until that day, you are pukes. You are the lowest form of life on earth. You are not even human fucking beings. You are nothing but unorganized, grabastic pieces of amphibian shit. Because I am hard, you will not like me. But the more you hate me, the more you will learn. I am hard, but I am fair. There is no racial bigotry here. I do not look down on niggers, kites, wops, or greasers. Here you are all equally worthless. And my orders are to weed out all non-hackers who do not pack the gear to serve in my beloved corps. Do you maggots understand that? Sir, yes, sir. Bullshit, I can't hear you. Sir, yes, sir. What's your name, scumbag? Sir, Private Brown, sir. Bullshit, from now on, you're Private Snowball. Do you like that name? Sir, yes, sir. 
Well, there's one thing that you won't like, Private Snowball. They don't serve fried chicken and watermelon on a daily basis in my mess hall. Oh, yes, sir! That you, John Wayne? Is this me? Who said that? Who the fuck said that? Who's the slimy little coming of shit twinkle toad cocksucker down here who just signed his own death warrant? Nobody, huh? The very fucking godmother said I'm fucking standing. I will PT you all until you fucking die. I'll PT you until your assholes are sucking buttermilk. Was it you, you scroungy little fuck, huh? Sir, no, sir. You little piece of shit, you look like a fucking worm. I bet it was you. Sir, no, sir. Sir, I said it, sir. Well, no shit. What have we got here? A fucking comedian, private joker. I admire your honesty. Hell, I like you. You can come over to my house and fuck my sister. You little scumbag! I got your name! I got your ass! You will not laugh! You will not cry! You will learn by the numbers! I will teach you! Now get up! Get on your feet! You had best unfuck yourself or I will unscrew your head and shit down your neck! Sir, yes, sir! Private Joker, why did you join my beloved corps? Sir, to kill, sir! So you're a killer? Sir, yes, sir! Let me see your war face! Sir! You got a war face? Ah! That's a war face! Now let me see your war face! Ah! Bullshit! You didn't convince me! Let me see your real war face! Ah! You don't scare me! Work on it! Sir, yes, sir! Hermes' experience as a drill instructor during the Vietnam era proved invaluable. Kubrick estimated that Ermi wrote 50% of his own dialogue, especially the insults. <laughs> That's great. That's extremely cool. Yeah, so he like he was pretty much very true to character. I mean, he had to... He had to emphasize a little bit more. I mean, he like. was probably the best character in the whole movie for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, I will. Uh, hmm, character? Yeah, probably character. Best character. I think, like, yeah. oh, I was trying to think of acting, but. Um, no, no, I think, no, just best character. Like, well, and acting, to, I mean, I think, fuck, I think that'd be hard to <laughs> say all those things to people. Yeah. Like, and, and I, I think the most it. impressive um, acting performance in this was the uh, plier. The uh, Frio. Gomer Pyle. Yeah. The Frio. Frio. (laughs) Gomer Pyle. Yeah. I think his acting in this was like, he, especially in that last scene that he had, I was like, holy shit. This guy Uh, scares me. This guy's bonkers. Yes. Yeah. And like, well, and you can see how he gets there. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. The soap scene. Yeah. That was a lot. I mean, really hard to watch. That that was was the first. That was the first hard to watch scene. And I was like, how serious is this gonna and then that's again another one i guess that was no there wasn't any talking it was just a purely action silent visual yeah and it was dark like yeah but i mean i'm sure that that kind of shit happened you must not be much of an andy griffith fan if you couldn't remember gomer Pyle's name from the andy griffith show was that who that was well that's not who it was but that's who we gave him his name after like that's who he named him after because you know how he gave him a bunch of fake names Oh, Gomer Pyle. Yeah. He's the one. He's like the town drunk. No idea. Wow. Disappointing. <laughs> Disappointing. This Over was definitely head. up Jacob's alley because Joker was constantly making. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. John Wayne. John Wayne references. Oh, yeah. Oh, Pilgrim. Yeah. Pilgrim. I'm very glad that last week we just watched. I just was able to introduce these two to John Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> Made this movie hit home a little bit more, I think. Quite the soundtrack. I think this kind of goes back into um, kind of cutting the tense moments with levity. Um, 
like the Chapel of Love song, the Bird is the Word, Surfing Bird song, just a few, bunch of songs that are in there and you're like, what is going on? Like, why, 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 why? Well, then there's that, there's a combination of those songs and I can't remember a lot of them. There's probably a couple in the first, I almost want to call this like two short films. Yeah, but it really is. It's, it's kind of like two acts in the first act and second act. Yeah. And so like, oh, yeah, let's call it like that. So in like in the first act, I can't remember a lot of those, but I do remember in that one during those times where it was really dark and depressing, like right before the soap scene and when he was in the bathroom, like, did you guys hear that? Like, ding, ding. Like, and it almost sounded like a phone alarm was going yeah. off. Yeah. But that was the only sound yep. other than like what you could hear them doing. And that one was like almost irritating me hearing that. It was definitely over over. like a trigger. Like the shit's going down. There's almost like, I don't know if this is how they meant it, but it was almost like the bell tolling. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like when the bell tolls, like. A lot of the time, that kind of signifies that something something is going down. Yeah, I was gonna say when people like in, when some character in some TV shows, when characters just enter the room, like the music is that character's music. Yeah, it, and it, they it had that. Yeah, I, I I like both those ones because I think that that's probably like what was going through his head the entire time is just like he's going crazy. Um, and also, I do like that the bell toll. Um, the composer for this movie is Stanley Kubrick's daughter. Really? Yeah. Wow. Kind a little of family, little family gathering yeah. for this movie. That's cool. Vivian Kubrick. Man, it was strange because it does feel like a lot of war movies, in particular Vietnam War, it's like war action stuff, and then the music just so does not align with what you just saw. And maybe he was mocking Vietnam War movies. I don't know. Um, but like Apocalypse Now kind of mocked the way we perceive war. So maybe this was just that on steroids. I don't know because it was very strange to go. The Mickey Mouse one was outrageous. Yeah. But not as outrageous as Bird is the Word. Like Bird is the Word just <laughs> yes, made that no was, sense. Yeah. Like that was just outrageous. And Family Guy has also kind of ruined that song for me because oh, all I saw in my head was just Peter dancing like in the background yeah. of one of the songs or scenes maybe. I was thinking about when they, like especially when they played the Surfing Bird song about why they chose that. And I like I think that the only thing is that it provides that kind of more comedic relief a little bit. Like lets the viewer be like, oh I enjoy this song. This is a lighthearted, like fun song. Um, but it's also probably just of the times. I don't know when that song came out, but. Oh, I mean, that's like a song from like the fifties, I think. At least it sounds like it. Oh, it's yeah. extremely old. Yeah. It's yeah. way older than you would think. Oh, I was yeah. just wondering like, if it was like thirties from 50s. the times yeah. of like the Vietnam war. If this is when it came out. No, before, before the okay. Vietnam war. Um, it and rock lobster are way older than you would think they are. <laughs> <laughs> you just named another Peter Griffin yeah. <laughs> memory in my head. Um, but I, I think, I think them using these, like songs like that is an analogy for the soldiers inability to take themselves fully seriously all the time, because if they were to do that, it would be impossible to live. Um, so I, I think, I think that's why he used that music. At least that, that conjecture, that's my guess. Yep. I, I completely agree. And I think that like they said it, um, well, Leonard's character. Oh, wow, I just remembered his name. No. <laughs> We're very proud of you. <laughs> um, Private Pyle. Pyle, yeah. Um, that's who I am talking about if you didn't know who Leonard was. But what was I going to say? Oh, when he said, when they were in the bathroom and he's like, we're going to be in a, in a in a world of shit when he, find, he comes in and finds like this. And he's like, 
I'm already in a world of shit. And I think they said that line at the very end too. And I was like, that must be, and that, that maybe is kind of the, the theme of just like, they're in a world of shit, just war, like being in war is just like fucked up, um, to be a part of it. And like a lot of respect to everybody that has served, but it would be, it seems like it would be very, very hard, um, life. And it would be a world of shit. I don't know if that's saying that right, but I mean, I couldn't do it. I mean, it, it certainly, I think did a better job than other movies because like Saving Private, Private Brian is good, but it's way too drama and hallmark for me to kind of put your mind in that. And I, it would be, it's impossible to put an audience's mind in the shoes of a soldier. But when shit got serious in this movie, it was one of the closest I've felt. Yeah, you can't ever of like war movies that I've watched. I mean, I you think that's because that it experience. is cut, it, it's because it's cut with the levity and you're not fully expecting it. When when they're playing bird bird bird, bird is lord. And then a few scenes later he's shooting a probably 14-year-old girl in the head. Yeah. Um it it kind of raises that those types of scenes up on a pedestal and you're like, "Oh, that's right. We still are here." Yeah. And I think some something to what Tate said earlier was that they Kubrick made you watch it, watch the scenes. Like it wasn't like a gunshot and it never showed you. He made you watch it, and that again, like in Band of Brothers and stuff, you'll see blood and everything, and oh, oh but it's like drama. It's drawn out. It's dramatized. It's hallmarked. Man, I don't think uh, okay. the way that like cowboy died. Yeah, not, is not, one that comes to mind. Not to like go in off on a tangent about Band of Brothers and whatnot, but I I think you're not giving Band of Brothers and Saving Private Ryan nearly enough credit. Band of Brothers is one of the it's it's probably the best take on a war movie or on war that I've ever seen in film or television. Have you seen The Pianist? I was thinking about that movie during this because no, that, that's that's from that a completely different is, perspective. Yeah, I mean that has no levity. No, well, I, well I, one thing that I think I because I wrote it down that I do possibly I don't know if this fully agrees with you or not, but um, that I liked that it was almost more. It seemed more realistic in the way that people were, and all these um, soldiers were reacting to certain things. Um, cause I, like I, I wrote it down as like, I, I like the fact that they didn't have any like cheesy lines where they shot someone or like they did something cool and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm yeah. Mr. Hero. Or like someone gets shot and they're like, Jimmy, Jimmy, are you there? And then grandmother comes, like, could you go home and tell my wife that I loved her? Ooh. Yeah. So like it, it definitely, like I, it didn't have any of that cheese. Like in the one that I think about is when he shot that like 14 year old girl or whatever, and he, like, normally someone would walk over and be like, God damn, like, another day in the life, or something like that, and, like, he'd say some smooth line, um, but he just went over, and he just started dancing, he was like, shit, I did it, he was like, I killed the sniper, and he was, like, all excited, um, just because he did it, like, he was like, I killed the sniper, like, he doesn't do it all the time, and I think that normally, like, if this, like, if this was a big Hollywood film, which, I mean, it had a huge budget, but I think that they took the approach of not having those, like, cheesy lines, or how the Joker didn't say anything after he killed, like, killed the fourteen-year-old girl. He just pulled the trigger, and you could just see how distraught he was. 
Yeah. And I, so I do maybe, I don't know if that fully, I don't know if that agrees with you, but I do think that they, it wasn't like they didn't have the, the cheesy Hollywood lines um, and the cheesy Hollywood um, type of stuff that you see in some other films. But I mean, I haven't fully watched Band of Brothers either, and I haven't seen and I would Saving not Private Ryan. Band so. Saving Private Ryan, they're you both did. Good. <laughs> I said they're more dramatic, which is true. Yeah, that's because they're dramas. So I will not stand drama. for Band of, Band of Brothers. And in that way, that they are worse than this movie. I will say that now. Oh, wow! You he's on record. Yeah, wow! You pushed me to the edge. Yeah, a thirty million dollar budget for this movie. Not quite small Hollywood. Yeah, no, but it didn't. But it didn't have the cheesiness that. I would have expected, I think, with that big of a budget. And like, um, well, and that's pretty surprising because this cast is pretty no name besides Adam Baldwin, Day of Cold. I read that they wanted to have Bruce Willis play one of the main characters, but he couldn't because of like other complications, other films. But that would have been a big name. Yeah, that probably would have been the biggest name. This is one other interesting that I saw. The last interesting thing that I saw from the production um, standpoint was that. Um, none of this, all of the, guess where all of this was filmed. I'll say it that way. Hollywood. No idea. Well, okay. Cause I didn't know this, but do you get, uh, is Kubrick from England? Is he English? I don't know. He's from like know, the Bronx. Most are movies sure? are. Cause it said that he met people at his house in England. And I was like, I don't know if he is. He might, he might've like moved. Yeah. He was born in New York, but he died in Chidwick. Huh. So yeah, he did live in England, but he wasn't British. Um, but this was filmed in England, and, it, and a massive part of their budget was setting a lot of these scenes up. Like they said that they took, even like their art director was allowed to take wrecking balls to some of these buildings to just make them look all um, disheveled. And stuff. that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, in Belfast, I drove by Game of Thrones where they shoot a lot of Game of Thrones scenes, and yeah, it was like. A square mile, like it was a huge area. But they said that they even flew in like ten thousand palm trees to oh, like shoot crazy. shoot one of these things. They're like all of these like plants and um, ecosystems that just don't are not in England, and they flew them in to set up some of these scenes. And I was like, oh, that's kind of crazy. And that's he got a bunch ridiculous. of these tanks from like Brussels, it said, and like all these like I don't know, just you got all of this equipment from all all around the world, and just but all filmed it in England, but. So I didn't know that a lot of movies then were filmed there. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure... Uh, I I know all three Star Wars movies were filmed at... And the newest three, probably the newest five, were all filmed at Pinewood Studios in England. Huh. Um, for like most of like, the like stuff the that they can do Hollywood? on stage. Yeah, I mean, Pinewood is one of the biggest lots for filmmaking in the world. So, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that it, it's amazing what filmmakers can do with a that, big budget. Yeah that, that, yeah. that we'll never pick up on. Like, it, yeah, I would have never, I would have assumed that they just like went and filmed in Vietnam. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of like, I mean, maybe it made me think about apocalypse now. Cause that was filmed pretty much all in, um, South Asia, Southeast Asia, but yeah. this, yeah. So I, that's what I've, and that's what I would have assumed for this one. I totally would have bought it, but the yep. magic of magic of film. So um, a question I have if you thought there was a point to this movie, what would it be? I was trying to think about that because I was also trying to think about why they named it Full Metal Jacket. Um, and just to clarify, by Full Metal Jacket, do they just mean like just wearing... No, it, uh, when you have a Full Metal Jacket, you have a full magazine of bullets. 
Oh, so kind of like Adam Baldwin's character where he had him strapped across his well, chest and everything? No, they, they said the line, um, Lieutenant Pyle said the line at one point when he clicked his magazine in, he said full metal jacket. Yeah, I remember him saying that, but okay, so it just means that you're fully loaded on ammunition? Yep. Huh. Pretty okay. much. Well, so, because I was trying to think about why they named it that, and I didn't know what that meant. But, um, anywho, the meaning of the film, I think it was just to paint a realistic picture of what war is like. And I think that that's just as, yeah, that's as simple as I can say it. Um, but I think that it is that from A to Z, including everything. Because um, I think there are some film movies that, or some war movies that don't include the um, training aspect and a lot of the shit that and psychological shit that people would go through during that, and then they all, and they always focus on just the war, purely war aspect and um, all the violence and everything. But so I really liked that, and I think that's what yeah, that's what I think it's about. Yeah, I I, I think it's set out to tell the story of to kind of try to put the viewer in the shoes of what it might have been like in Vietnam. Um, or in, I guess, wars in general, um, just kind of through. That's what I was going to say, because it almost felt like, like I could have totally forgot that they were in Vietnam for a lot of this. Like, it just looked like they could have been just at war anywhere. They didn't seem like there was a big, like, I mean, obviously there is every once in a while, like the um, scenes of the towns that they're in and stuff. But other than that, I would have been, I would have bought that this was anywhere. And I kind of teed myself up with that question too because I was wanting to share my thoughts but I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts as well what if we don't want to ask you your thoughts I asked the the crew the team and I am on the team <laughs> <laughs> alright you earned it I think the point of the movie I think the most important line and the most important part of the entire movie was when that one colonel Asked him about the pin and the born to kill. I think this whole movie hinged on that duality of humanity and the levity was the peace and the reality was the born to kill. And I think my favorite scene in the entire movie was after he killed the girl. I don't know if you noticed, but you couldn't see the pin. It was kind of, it was just his his jacket. And the only word you saw on the helmet was kill. Yeah. Yeah. I did notice that because, well, and, Going back, I um, I loved that scene where he said, where his answer was duality of humanity um, or duality of humans or whatever. And I love that they didn't go into it after that. They just kind of left it at that. And then they, the current whatever just left and they changed scenes. Yeah. But that, I, that to me was the biggest piece um, script wise of this entire, like that was the nugget in mm-hmm. this movie. And I think part of the reason why that was so important and relevant of it being short was you saw the way he answered the drill sergeant in that first quote unquote act. He never lied and it was always to the point. And so I think that was kind of the point of his character was his identity being the Joker. But, um, when he had to like, when he was under pressure like that and he had to say the truth, I love that that was just his like, it was just the way he would have answered the drill sergeant if the drill sergeant asked him that question. Well, and he, yeah, he was very honest and very serious, and but communicated with the world and with everybody around him in a joking way or in like in a comedic way. 
And I think, but at the end, like no matter how he answered everything, even though it was funny or not, he answered in a serious and honest way. And I think, yeah, that was his character. And I think that was the, yeah, I'd love the fact that he had, cause I didn't notice his helmet, but I did notice the pin. And then when they brought up the pin, um, and then I, I did notice it when he asked him about the pin and it, then it's, you see his helmet and then he immediately asks right afterwards about the helmet. Cause I think the first time when they ask him about the pin, he's not wearing the helmet. Um, but that whole duality of humanity, I thought was, um, and the meaning of that was the nugget in this film. And I think you hit it on the head pretty good. Um, the whole piece being the, um, levity aspect and, um, the born to kill helmet as the, the dark side of war. One other interesting thing that I um, wrote down about this was the that maybe this was the optimist in me, but I thought the the, the act one was going to be this motivational piece on um, Leonard's character. I thought it was going to be kind of like a most improved player type. Yeah, of scene I did too. I thought or type of I thought that's how the way this it was movie going. was going to play out was oh yeah, I totally at the agree. end of the day, uh, Lieutenant Pyle was going to end up saving the day. Yeah. Like, and it was going to be that, that like the first couple things he does, he sucks at. Like when he was trying to hop over those logs and like how he couldn't get over the fence or like the, the tall ladder, um, how he couldn't do any pull-ups and all these things. And then, um, he was going to do a little bit better and he was going to get this friend to help him out and he was going to do a little bit better. And then all of a sudden he was going to be like the, the favorite of the Lieutenant and, um, then it was kind of going like, to go into like, we find out, Oh, this guy can actually shoot. And he's like, yeah. And that target. was the only, that was cause like it, like I had this idea that he was going to keep getting better and um, people were going to start liking him and all these things. But he just kept like messing up and he kept on getting shit kept, on and yeah, like tripping over himself. He kept tripping over himself and he just wasn't fit for that situation. Yeah. And there was a massive foreshadowing for the drill sergeant's end when he was mentioning, the marine that shot oh yeah, yeah yeah and when he was saying all that yeah, stuff well, i was like when oh, he started saying that stuff, i was like all right yep but it, it was i think it was it was good for me to see that because i i mean initially when i saw it yeah the optimist in me was like this is gonna be awesome he's gonna be a great guy all these things but in in reality he just like he could he just wasn't fit for that and he just kept and like almost how the system and i think this was a good piece of it is that it made me think about that the system of how they do the Marines and how they do, I mean, it made me think about even when the idea of like, the idea of like in a fraternity, they try and break everybody down so that everybody's equal and then they bring everyone up together. That idea works for a majority. But there is that minority of that group that gets literally just beaten down by that process. And he seems like that one out of the entire group that didn't become better out of, and he just, but it was drastically worse for him. Like he seemed like a just nice, scared guy going into it. And in the end, by the end of it, he was just psycho killer and like um, just was confused and angry and all these things. And so I think it was really good for me to see that um, other aspect and other alternative of what this could do to somebody. Yeah. And I, I think this movie also differs from a lot of war movies because you are right that it's not like, this Hollywoodized war movie. Um, and I think like one of the biggest points in that is the fact that everybody that was in this training unit didn't all get put in the same platoon. Um, I think typically you'll see movies like this where they, they all like train together, which means they're all going to go yep. be in the same platoon. And I, I think, cause I was expecting that uh, and it went in with me expecting that also of, pile being the one to save the day 
So, yeah, I, I thought that was a really cool part of it as well. I really like that. Man, the more I talk about this movie, yeah, see, I mean, at the beginning of this, I was like, I don't know how I feel, but the more I'm talking about, the more I like this movie. Yeah, I think that it's probably a quick question because this is, I recently saw Spartacus, 1960. Don't watch it. I am Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I am Spartacus. Harold. Shrek. Fiona. Fiona. Mom. Harold. Donkey. Yeah. That, yeah. It, that, that is like. I am Spartacus. That's supposed to be like the most famous part of that entire movie, which was wildly influential. I think I even recognized it in, uh. Cory Booker is Spartacus. Mel Gibson. What Scottish. Braveheart. <laughs> Braveheart. Yeah. Isn't that in Braveheart? Where they like say that they're I am Braveheart. Well, that's not his I name. Know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they did that movie. Anywho. Um This is my second Kubrick movie, and I have yet I've glimpses thin glimpses of the quote unquote brilliance of Stanley Kubrick, but I think I need to see more from him before I can really understand why people call him the greatest director or most influential director of all time. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that, but I honestly wish I had a thought on that, but I not sure how many Kubrick films I've seen. I mean, his most famous is the shining and 2001, a space odyssey, yeah, which is so one of the ones I really want. The Shining is by Stephen King. <laughs> the Shining, 2001 A Space Odyssey, A Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket, Dr. Strangelove, Eyes Wide Shut, Barry London, Linden, Linden, Pass of Glory, Lolita, The Killing, Spartacus, Killer's Kiss, Fear and Desire, Day of the Fight, and we're getting into... Some other ones. I was waiting for you to say a movie that I have seen. So, yes, I confirm that I do have no opinion <laughs> because this is the first Kubrick film. Well, isn't film that I've funny seen. that this he's This is like, also the first Kubrick film for me as well. Isn't that funny how he's referenced apparently as the most influential or greatest director of all time? Well, and, and this what is I have the second heard, one. What I have I've heard seen. is that, um, I mean, I've heard that 2001 A Space Odyssey is was incredibly influential for its time. And like, it was groundbreaking for when it came out, and we need to see that movie. We do. I know that's been that's been on the list. Um, and The Shining is another one that's like just the the like what he brought out of all the characters and um, what he brought out of that film. I've heard that that's incredible. So I would buy that without seeing many of his movies, but um, and hearing some of those on the list. But yes, this is my first one. So to be continued on that one. And funny enough, when I got here today to the studio. I walked in and I said, here's Johnny. That's from The Shining. I love that you called it the studio. I'm going <laughs> to start calling it that. All right, what do you think? Should we move into some scores here? Julie, do the thing. Okay, so from the aggregators, IMDb 8.3 out of 10, Rotten Tomatoes 92%, Metacritic 76%. Metacritic. They're always interesting. They're always either high or low. They always seem to stray from the pack. Yeah. And that's my opposite complaint about IMDb. I think IMDb always stays right in the same yeah, spot. Yeah, they always like give the same number. They always give you the same number. Um, Especially with good movies. Yeah, they're always like right between like 7.6 and like 8.3. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I will give my score first. So this movie doesn't quite crack the 90s for me. Um, I am a war movie fan, but... And I, 
I really don't have a good reason for it not cracking the 90s. It's going to be an 87 for me. I enjoyed it. I just didn't love it is the explanation that I have. I think you're right in the ballpark for me too. Um, I'm going to go with an 85. I think um, I initially, when the movie ended, um, was feeling like very depressed about it. I was like, Jesus, this is a dark, heavy movie. Um, but the more we talked it through and the more we talked about it, I really liked the a lot of aspects of it. And so that bumped it up a lot. And so, yeah, I'm going to stick with an 85. I, uh, I should say I at first gave it an 82, but I forgot about the classic Jacob politically incorrect five-point bump. Yeah, you can't forget about that. So everybody knew that was coming when they watched that first act of this movie, and that <laughs> bumped it up to a 87. Yeah, and it's it's an 83 for me. Um, it's a so I I start with the star system. We talked about this at one point. Nobody cares. Don't want to go into it more, but <laughs> it's not a four and a half to me. It's like a very strong four four out of five stars, but it doesn't hit the four and a half mark. And so, in some weird way, that translates to an eighty three, and we're just gonna run with it. So eighty three out of hundred, but it was good, and it was. A lot better than Spartacus, and hopefully it was a good first step into the world of Kubrick. Fun fact, you guys know that this was based on a book? Yes. Did you know that it was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay? Yes. And it did not win? Yes. It was also nominated for a few other Oscars. Oh. See, I thought I was bringing something to the table, but then here's Jacob over here with a full metal jacket. I lied. (laughs) Golden Globe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. We care about the Golden Globes as much as we care about Rotten Tomatoes. All right, folks, that is going to do it for today. If you have thoughts or questions, you can shoot us an email at gd4ampodcast at gmail.com. Oh, by the way, that was an average score of 85. You should just redo that. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Okay. Nope. Totally forgot about that. Yeah, average score of 85. Um, You can also follow us on Instagram at gd4gd.movies. We're also on Twitter at gd4gd underscore movies. We would love for you to leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen on, especially Apple Podcasts. Just make sure they're all five stars. And if you don't, I'm going to get my full metal jacket, and I'm going to come find you. He totally missed the opportunity. The damn drill sergeant said, I'm going to spin your head off and shit down your throat. Yeah, yep. we've already used that God, one. No, it, it was a variation. It was a variation. <laughs> it might have missed it. It might have even no, been the inspiration. Well, chance. It could have. It was it too have been. close. We've used that one. He missed your chance. He missed his chance. Anyways, we'll catch you next week at the movies. From the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli, we find our country's battles in the air on land and sea. First to fight for right and freedom and to keep our honor to our core.
Thank you.